You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And I am joined today by Austin for part three of our uh, our galactic journey of launching an NFT project. And uh, it's been an exciting time since last time. Austin, welcome back. And uh, I, I think we have some breaking news. Do we have breaking news? Yeah, I'm going to jump right in. We sold out our binary collection, which Woo! is insanely awesome. It's something we were really pushing for, and I'm sure we'll chat about it more later, but the fact that we have 100% unique ownership or 99% unique ownership is pretty friggin' awesome for the start of a community. Oh, huge congrats, Austin, and I, I, you know, the whole team, just a shout out to the whole team, and, you know, for anyone that's in this space right now, you know, just the feat of... Uh, of launching a project, getting people interested, uh, but also doing it kind of like the hard way, right? Starting with the uh, the private kind of invite only uh, kind of you know uh, inv- you know uh, invites. Also, kind of understanding you know there were some whale passes and things that you know kind of uh, you know every time all these things sound like great ideas, um, but they also add complexity each layer, right? And uh, not only that, but you know, the phased mint approach. So for those that haven't listened, you know Austin was a guest um, in season one of the podcast. Um, and then I said, Austin, you know, I've had a, such a pleasure, you know, advising and working with the team on the project. Austin also has been a member in our community since the very start of season one of the podcast. Um, I said, hey, let's do this monthly where each month we have you on and we're going to go on the journey with launching an NFT project. And I would challenge anyone that's listening right now, if you haven't listened to part one and part two, you know, hit pause on this, right? So that you have this one and go back and listen to part one. And you're going to hear about kind of the origin story and what the project was about. You're going to hear about part two kind of rolling with some of the punches and excitement, a little bit of anxiety, uh, a lot of changes, but then you know, part of the joy is that everyone else gets to kind of come on that journey to get where we're at now. So, you know, having the, you know, for, you know, context now with, you know, doing kind of that invite only private sale and, you know, kind of go through a little bit of that. Like, I mean, I was messaging with you uh, all day on each of these days and, uh, you know, we had a, you know, there's the, the only guarantee with launching something live is that something will go wrong just to put this out there for everybody. It's the only guarantee. It's pretty much a hundred percent proof uh, guarantee uh, that something will go wrong and you have to be prepared for it. But in this case, actually there wasn't actually anything uh, at least major from the, the outside world side, right? There was uh, you know, a crazy gas war that existed that also required contracts to be a little bit delayed in their, uh, in their minting. Um, but the overall, I mean, what a, what a success it was been, but yeah, I think, you know, Austin share with us some of those like pros and cons with your strategy, because there's lots of ways that people can roll out their initial list, right? You can use pre-mint, you can do, you know, grinding discord. No, you can't do grinding discord. Stop that nonsense. No more grinding discords. Uh, we believe in mental health. Let's not 
you know, try to get people to do ridiculous things. But there's lots of different ways that people can kind of get that initial kind of genesis founders, early adopters out there. Talk to us a little bit about pros and cons of what you learned doing that over the last uh, over the last week or so. Yeah, you're right. So it was all of the emotions this past week. I remember texting you and you were like, Austin, what do you need? I was, At this point, I need moral support. I'm going to just be texting you. Just give me enthusiasm and excitement because we're working through this. And that goes to honestly all of the hard work that went into sending out private invites. Because when you're doing it that way, you know that your conversion rate is never 100%. So when you have a private list, you can only reserve X amount of spots and you don't want to reserve more spots than that because if someone was invited, you don't want to give away their spot. So there is this weird conflict between how many invites do we send out? Do we only send out 101 um, because everyone might buy? But coming from e-commerce, you know that conversions are never 100%. So we decided to up that by 50% and send out I think it was like 150 to 200 invites, knowing that some people were going to be away. Some people have left the space. People who chatted with us a lot at the, a year ago when we started the project just kind of aren't here anymore. So we wanted to invite those people, but we ended up sending out a primary list of about 150 to 200. And then we did set up a secondary list as well. And we told people they were on a reserve list and we did end up opening that up. As well. So it was a lot of legwork because we made a personalized graphic for each person with their name on it, saying that they had an invite to or that daddy has invited them to the Galactic Gaylords project. And we kind of also gave them another graphic saying, do you accept yes or no? And we had this really personalized flow. So while it was a lot of work, I think it was definitely worth it to develop that personal connection with each person who was minted. Yeah, not only personal connection, but you know, I think even for those that didn't mint, they at least understand like the storytelling, the commitment to personalization, caring about the you know the people that you're you're interacting with, which you don't know when that actually pays off in a lot of cases, right? Like for for people that are you know, and also when people talk about the story, right? I I stress this all the time, right? It's easy, you know, not easy, but it's easier to kind of get people that are directly, hey, I want to be a part of it, or they're like your your first connections to understand. But empowering people to talk about the project in unique ways is really hard in this whole NFT space. But knowing that someone can say, oh, like, oh, have you heard of Galactic Gaylords? I'm like, oh, you know what? I didn't mint their non-binary. But I tell you what, they sent me this like personalized invite. They have this really interactive quiz on their website. It's a really cool project. You should check it out. They can almost be advocates just based on that commitment and that time. And so I know it was a ton of work from the team. I, I am curious, you mentioned about like, you know, guaranteeing it's not 100%, right? That's pretty much is out there. But that also is such a weird, like hedging your bets because there's a limited supply, right? And there's like a, and you also have whale passes that are going to get, you know, one, uh, you know, along the way. I, I'm curious on that note, like, you know, what was your way of communicating with people that were on the list, right? From initial reach out to like follow up. And did you have any, like, did you see any data or insights on, were more people clicking to link or to reminders from email or from DMs or, you know, replying on the discord? Where did you see kind of give us a little bit of like that situational awareness? I think a lot of people that are thinking about launching a project are like, even though I get people on a list, how the hell do I communicate with them? And how do I make sure that they don't forget? Because I can tell you there's NFTs that I've been looking forward to 
that I missed the complete day that the, the mint happened because I just wasn't on the channel that they were messaging on. So yeah, I'd love to hear your, your strategy and how you saw that work out. That's a great point. It's tough to be on all the platforms. So you really need to leverage the ones where you have the most interactions. For us, that was primarily Twitter. But Twitter is notorious for not showing your content sometimes for whatever reason. So announcements weren't enough. That's why we decided to go with the private DMs. But Twitter even limits those. Um, if you look like you're spamming, then your account gets shut down from sending messages for a little while, which we also encountered. So that was another hurdle to go through. But when it comes to metrics, what we wanted to do was create a flow that had breakpoints that gave the customer all of the data upfront to make their decision right there. We didn't want someone coming back and asking how much is it or how many are there. We wanted to make sure the beginning of our flow, even though it was a little longer, it gave the customer everything they needed to make the decision. And then all we asked at the beginning of that first flow was a simple yes or no. If they said yes, we knew they had all the data and then we asked for their wallet address or their email because we had a web kind of 2.5 solution for people who aren't accustomed to Web3. And uh, once we got that, we put them on the list. And I'd say once they were on the list and they gave us their wallets, the conversion rate there was probably 80 to 85%. There were, of course, a couple that didn't after that point, but it was very intentional to create a flow that only got people onto the list if they were very willing to buy and they knew the cost and they knew kind of how to go through the process. And mint price was 0.1 uh, Ethereum, uh, which is not a low mint price just for context for everybody out there, right? It's not like a, you know, I, I feel just like just from for people that are thinking about the way they roll out projects, right? If you're lowing, if you're rolling out with like a mint price, in my, this, this is my own personal opinion, take it, you know, do your own damn research as always. But like, I look at like anything that's under like the $75 to $50 range, your, your rollout, like the way that you educate, the way that you kind of onboard I think is different than anything that's kind of above that from a mint price because the questions are going to be a little bit different. The interaction to be a little bit different. Um, and I just love the way that you kind of kind of kind of set that stage for us. One other question on that. And I will say just for those that are listening, we do have another special guest from uh, the Galactic Gaylords team. Uh, Teresa is going to join us in a little bit um, uh, who we'll, we'll introduce. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Cause it'll be, we're gonna have a fun little conversation there as well. Uh, and we also have about a reveal. We're gonna, we have some more info for you, but before I get to that, Austin, the other part that most people don't know, don't understand, are confused by is like the dev interaction and how do you work with someone that's launching a contract? And if you have to add a wallet to the contract, are you logging into the back end, Austin? Are you like coding Solidity? Give me a little bit of context, um, yo, that on how that, like, what was your interaction with the dev on launch day? What was the process to getting wallets added post? Um, you know, kind of launch where maybe someone change. I mean, I'm that guy oftentimes where I'm like, oh my God, I want to buy, but I think I gave you the wrong wallet. And I'm like the guy that's <laughs> the pain in the ass. So for dealing with guys like me, um, how, do, how did you guys handle that? Give us a little bit of that context because most people don't understand even how that works on a, on a launch day. You know what? Listen, I wish I could code. I took C++ in university and I'm like decent at that, but this is a whole nother beast. And that's why we have the so fresh dev team that we partnered with to roll this out with us and all of our continuing planets as well. But they, um, 
they were on call the entire time. They were pretty awesome. They did request that we only add wallets by bulk upload once a day. So that, of course, introduced a kind of like a time gap between the customer wanting to mint and get on the list and them actually being able to. And that gap was about 24 hours. So there were some people that we did lose because they wanted to mint right then and there. So that's another con I'd say of having a private list is just that you do have to account for those time lapses. Whereas with a public mint, it's just people can buy things spur of the moment. Um, so yeah, that, that was definitely something that we we had to mitigate. And primarily because our dev team, I think they're out of Spain. We have a correspondent in New York, but the, the team is out of Spain. So there's time differences there as well. And when you're working in Web3, a lot of it is global. So you have to be aware of those time zones. Yeah, uh, I mean, just for context, like apparently it, it was it was nine hours ago while we're recording this, but apparently it was 2 a.m. my time. Um, someone DM me on Twitter and was like, Brian, I'm buying one of your one of one art pieces on Known Origin. This is what I'm setting up, like, uh, but it's not working. Like they asked me a couple of questions. Well, of course, I was sound asleep. I woke up this morning, got to that Twitter DM, and they're like, oh, I, I ended up going with a different one on one piece of a different collection. And I remember being like, damn, like, like, you know, like I missed out on like a, a buyer. I mean, and, and it is like, we have an international 24 um, seven. But I also think Austin, you guys did a really good job of, of communicating that from a standpoint of like, Hey, you know, like we might have to wait to upload. You know, like to me, like this, one of the, the, the magic re recipes I believe is when you're open communicating, right? You're transparently saying like, Hey, we're going to upload your wallet, but it might be a little bit more time. I don't really ever complain. But if you take my wallet and then I'm like, I check back three hours and I still can't mint. I'm like, they forget about me. They don't care about me. They don't want my money. Right. Like, so like, I think that's such an, um, an important component of this. But once again, huge congrats. Uh, the, the very first planet um, has been uh, rolled out 100 percent, not only 100 percent sold out, but 100 percent unique wallets, which another uh, cool thing, which anyone that knows me in this podcast, you know, I'm a big believer, especially in early uh, of projects of looking at that unique wallet uh, ownership because you're now getting a better understanding of who's buying in, why they care about it, what they, you know, what their their whole journey is. Um, I will say just for also context, you know, as an ally, as an advisor on the project, you know, I did to reach out to a lot of people and it was very interesting on like the dialogue and the back and forth that I was getting with some people on well, Brian, I love what you're doing. And like, what would I get out of the project? You know, like, and you know, and for me, you guys have a, a, a the, the entire project has a great job of storytelling, putting a lot of that information out there. But I want to add this context, like a lot of people that, that listen to me regularly, they co-host with me on, on Twitter spaces. It, there's a difference between them being aware of something versus them being at a place to be able to ready to pull the trigger or understand where they're at, right? And, and a lot of that has to do with the market being different, right? If this was 2021, I would literally just be like, hey, I have a, and they would be like, tell me what to buy. Like, it was, it was that ridiculous. Now, and I think it's a good thing. And so I will say like, uh, and I got a message this morning uh, from someone who had saw my message yesterday, or the, the other day, about only two remaining um and she said hey i'm in for the next rollout round like i'm in uh you know I, I wasn't available i didn't have liquidity whatever that may be so i think like that's also like another really cool bonus of what this first 101 rollout was is even those that didn't mint and part of the 101 maybe they were on the list decided not to they're further down the funnel line they're further down the education line they're further understanding 
way further than if you were everyone was doing this kind of like a a blanket drop and get to work out some of the kinks, right? I was texting you that, Austin, with it. I was like, remember, that's why we did this, right? That's part of the reason of this 101 was you got to figure out what are the nuances with the dev, right? Do you, How do you want to roll out with phase two? So, I mean, you really got to, in a way, you got to serve your super fans, your, your, you know, from daddy to their fans, right? <laughs> um, and then you also got to kind of test out some of the procedures, the policies, some of the nuances, so that as the next world comes, be ready to rock and roll. But before we get to even the next world, I know there's an art reveal happening, um, and I know you want to give us a little context uh, of the art reveal. And for those that are watching on YouTube, we will put up the art, uh, a teaser of the art so you can see that. Uh, for those that are, are listening on the podcast, by the time the podcast is out, it'll be out there and art will be revealed. So just check out, of course, their, uh, the Twitter accounts and things that are in the show notes. But uh, Austin, give us a little context uh, on the art reveal that uh, I know many are excited about. Yeah, many, including me. I can't wait to show off the art to everyone. And if if anyone here has been following our announcements or our story, you know very well that our art direction follows our story. But I know that information doesn't make it to absolutely everyone. So I just want to be completely clear and upfront that even though a lot of our ads on Twitter and a lot of our marketing is flashy and very colorful, that is what you can expect on future planets. But to stay true to our story and the binary era and just the feelings of restriction that the Gaylords have on this time in Earth, we've muted the colors. They're not shirtless. If they were shirtless, they would probably go to prison or something by the president. But we just really wanted this to be a representation of what the Gaylords want to get away from. So if you get yours, or you reveal it, or you go look at the collection and you're like, whoa, this isn't as colorful as I thought it was going to be. Or, hey, the Gaylords have shirtless skin showing ads all the time. Why are these Gaylords covered up? It's because every good story needs to start somewhere. And this is where ours is is. <laughs> and this is where ours is starting, stumbling over my words there from excitement. Um, but we did want to give everyone a visual representation of hope. And we did say that there is a special bonus for people who buy the binary NFT. So behind each of the Gaylords, there is a flash of light, which is also in line with our story. And that flash of light will correspond to one of the planets, the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, or violet. And if you're holding on to that NFT, when we get to that planet, you will get a free airdrop from that planet. And it will be colorful, and there will be more skin showing, and it'll be much more on brand for Galactic Gaylords. Well, that's good because, and, and part of that, you know, him setting that stage is to prevent me from messaging and saying, uh, where's my pink? Uh, where's my abs? Where's the, uh, you know, I, I like the art with the, you know, we, have, we, have, we can see the V. I mean, I, I love the art as a whole. Uh, uh, and so I love, but this is also just a really important everything was done with intention. And I can say this because I've been part, I've been privy on the back end side where, I mean, I've been part of like, hey, how are we going to do this art to where, it's still something people are proud to hold, but it sets the stage for the color and the things to come and it's attached to the story. Let me say that again, the art, every moving part, how, they, how the invites were rolled out, right? The why there was only 101, why the next world comes out. All of these things are done with intention. Majority of NFT projects say they're a storytelling project, say that they have a lot of these like moving parts, but they haven't gone to like kind of understand what all of these things mean. But we've seen like, I mean, I got to give a, a, 
a shout out to the great Taylor Swift, who I think is one of the, the, you know, the queens when it comes to social media and content. She is about the most intentional human beings of all time, right? Like what she wears on the red carpet last year was her setting the stage for an Easter egg rollout of, of her album cover that comes out this year, right? Like everything for her is about like planting seeds. And I love that that's what's existed here on the project. Um, I, I definitely was, you know, the, the, I was looking for my pink. I'm excited to see what color, you know, I get uh, dropped the, the light in the background, which is a really creative way of also adding some, some unique value to the one of one pieces. Because if I get a, a world where I'm like, man, I wanted, I was hoping to get this world. I can, I can put one up for sale. I can trade it with those that also have in the one one And also for those that are listening, maybe you didn't get it on the binary. I'm sure there, there'll be opportunities for people to buy on secondary as well. So think about this as, as like, Hey, maybe if I didn't mint pre-reveal, I might have the opportunity to pick one of the, one, one of the non-binaries that I want that will unlock um, a future one. So uh, super excited about that. Uh, I do believe we have one clip to play before we, uh, we bring in Teresa. Do you want to set the stage on that clip? Yeah, you know what? I just want to say that the storytelling, it, it couldn't be done just by me or by anyone on the team. We have an amazing story master who will be jumping on right after this clip. But this is the second clip of the binary. And you'll learn more about the Gaylords and kind of what's going on to get them away. Rising for years, working toward their dream of a world where they felt free to be themselves. After the cloning, they knew they would finally have the numbers they needed to overthrow the president and his binary philosophies. Collectively, the Gaylords asked the universe for guidance. How can we create a world that is safe for all of us to be truly ourselves? And at that very moment, light and forbidden colors flickered in the corner of their eyes. Naj, one of the leaders of the movement, spotted the source of the light in a nearby rock bed. The Gaylords gathered around the rock as Naj, unearthed a small rock glowing from within. It was a beautiful, glowing rainbow gem. The rainbow gem. Color had been forbidden for so long and the beauty of the gem was marvelous and overwhelming to behold. The Gaylords each took a moment to hold the gem and bask in its rainbow light. Curiously, the gem seemed to react uniquely to the individual's touch. Shades of red, orange, green, blue, indigo, and violet would shift, strengthen, or disappear. The gem had a magical ability to reflect and sense the unique personality and vibrations of each person who held it. And when they looked at their reflection in the gem, their eyes glowed beautiful, vivid colors. The Gaylords did not fully understand the power of the gem, but they did know that they had asked the universe for guidance, and the universe gave them this magical yeah. gem. It was a beacon of hope for their mission, and it was to be protected at all costs. They knew that if the gem was discovered by anyone outside their society, they would all be punished, and the gem would be destroyed. So when Nitsua held the gem tightly in his palm and walked towards the president's cloning chambers, it felt as though time had stopped and his heart's racing was all he could hear. Woohoo! There we go again. I, I, I mean, we got a lot of amazing feedback on last episode where we brought in a couple of clips as well. Uh, I love that we now we're now you know on the on to the next phase of, of this entire story and. Uh, and Austin, this is, I mean, such a cool component uh, of the project. Uh, yeah, give us a little bit of that. And then, uh, yeah, go ahead and introduce our, our, our special guest. 
Sure, Brian. I mean, you talk about being intentional. I just want to point out a couple of things in this story here. So we have our personality quiz. If you haven't taken it, go to galacticgaylords.com slash quiz. It's very in line with attuning you to your planet, much like the Gaylords holding the gems and it changing to the color of what best represents them. Um, we also talk about the colors in here and the colors behind the art and the binary. We talk more about the flash of light in future stories, but everything is so interconnected. And our, I don't even want to say story writer, our story master, because she is truly a master. Teresa is the one connecting all of these strings and just making everything so cohesive in a way that we can build the brand around this absolutely amazing story. So we have Teresa here now. Hey, Teresa, please give an introduction. Tell everyone about your wonderful, wonderful self. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. I um, So yeah, I primarily, I come from a playwriting and musical theater writing background. I have a degree in music composition and uh, a graduate degree in music theater composition, which is, it seems like it might not lead to this project, but here I am and I am so excited. Um, I was reached out to by Isaac, who is a member of the team. And we connected from a mutual friend. And Isaac was just so genuine and excited about the project. Um, when I got the invite, the explanation of what this project was, I remember just looking at it. I, I think I said this in a um, present or in my bio, maybe. I was having a brunch with some friends and I read the invitation out loud and all of my friends were like, what? That sounds stupid, Teresa. <laughs> because none of them were like NFT people. And like some of my friends are like, oh no, crypto's a scam. So I, I knew nothing going into this and it sounded so like strange to me. But when I talked to Isaac, he was so excited and genuine. And there was something about him that I was just like, I, I trust him. I trust this community. I, I trust the idea behind the project. And fast forward, I don't, how many months has it been? How many months have I been on the team? Oh, it was from, Five, six. I think officially it was NFT NYC, right? We sat down for supper. That's when I met you first yes. in person. And I was like so hopeful that you would join the team and take this crazy journey through NFTs and Web3. And luckily you did. So it's been, uh, I don't even know, nine months. Oh my gosh, a while, <laughs> which is great. I mean, is this is a big part of who I am now as an artist. And I love that. I love that I'm using those skills and the things that I care about outside of the theater realm. I think it's really exciting. Yeah, I, I mean, I love, I mean, I love the background. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question about Web3 in a second, but the story master component, right? Like, um, like what goes into you? Like, you know, I, I know like, you know, the vision, a lot of people have vision and a mission of a project. They also have the idea of like what kind of impact they want to make with their, with, you know, what they're kind of building, but talk us through a little bit, like what is, what does a story master mean to you? And then also like for those that maybe um, wish that they had someone like this on their, uh, on their team, like what goes into like your, you know, kind of collaboration, but also kind of uh, bringing some of these stories to life. So um, I, when I came into the project, there was a very clear idea of kind of where the story began. 
but I had so many questions <laughs> and I was like, how does this work logistically? Okay. Well, if this is the story, why, like, why does, how is this possible? Um, and I was really curious about the idea of NFTs being built in ways that make them um, look I was worked up at the very beginning because I was like, there's these NFTs, like a lot of these men, they look kind of similar and there's not many women like what's going on here. And so I had to ask all these questions and learn more about the intention behind the project and then write in such a way that it was actually um, supporting the art. And then the art had to go back and support the story as well. So it was very much like a symbiosis of those two things. And as far as my position as story master, I'm primarily the one that is laying out the detail of the main plot. But within that, I need to allow room for uh, exploration by other people. I mean, we want everyone to be able to tell their stories in this universe. We want people to be able to connect to it and to be able to imagine if tomorrow I found the rainbow gem, where would I go? If I wanted to go, like, what, what does that mean? Or if I decided to stay here, how would I fight for equality and freedom? And um, just making a world that is incredibly open while also specific, it's definitely a challenge, but it's an exciting one. And I'm looking forward to, we've already done a little bit of this, um, working with some other writers as well to tell their stories and to center their own experiences within the super gay galaxy. And that's one of the things I'm probably most excited about is that collaboration element. And as a theater writer, especially musical theater, collaboration is everything. Um, everything I work on is collaborative in some way. And so having something not just existing in a vacuum and writing a fantasy story, it's more than that. It's actually interact with other people and I get to use the art as inspiration. And so, yeah, it's really exciting to be able to do all that. Yeah, I, I love I love that component. I will tell you when I when I was first made aware of like kind of the collaboration aspect being a focus, that was also I think my personal favorite uh, for twofold, right? I think you know I I firmly believe I preach it every single day that everybody has a story to tell, and that we 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 have to get to a spot where you know we're we're able to not only empower people to tell their story, but giving people safe spaces to start getting used to storytelling, that then they can start getting comfortable with their, where their story is and how people respond, and then we of course can grow outside of that. And I think in the queer community especially, that's an essential component of what. You know, this, uh, you know, beautiful project is also empowering and being able to work with someone like yourself that not only is helping drive the, you know, the general narrative and, and bring that to life, but you can even kind of walk through some of these nuances to uh, the community members. And funny enough, with that being said, I think we all had that exact same thought the very first time NFTs were ever presented to us. Like, this idea is dumb. <laughs> this makes no damn sense. Whoever these people are, are like not people I want to be like, what in the world is going? So we've all been there. But now that you're, you know, almost nine months into this being on the team and you're, you know, you're kind of, you know, immersed in the Web3 side. If you were to kind of you were sitting at that, that lunch table where you read out, read out the invite and everyone's like, sounds dumb. That makes no sense. How would you present it to them today as far as like how you look at Web3 yourself? So I, I'm still figuring out how to talk to people about what this is. I don't. We all are, by the way. We all are. Just context. We are all figuring out how to, how to make all of this make sense to everybody. I, um, my parents are in their early 60s and they're, they try to support everything I do. It's very sweet. 
And they've been so excited about this project because my dad's like, oh, crypto is where it's going. And he has like a little bit of crypto in a wallet. Anyway, <laughs> um, when I talk to them about it, I have to talk in the most like non-technological terms. And I'm always kind of like, it's kind of like digital trading cards. <laughs> and that's like the best way I could think to describe it. But talking about Web3, um, just I think the main point for me and the thing that I always point out to people who are new to the space is the privacy element um, and how so much information is kind of <laughs> taken and stolen in our Web2 and how Web3 gives you a lot more control over, I mean, the content that you engage with, but also the larger entities that you're engaging with. And I think privacy is a concern for everyone, whether or not they're focused on that. And so taking that kind of hook it seems to be a really strong way to bring new people into the space. And it was definitely something that kind of brought me into the space. I like the idea of having more privacy, um, but also the anonymity of it, especially for a queer project. There's, I mean, I'm so fortunate to be in New York City where I can walk down the street and hold hands with my wife and it's mostly okay. But I know that it's not like that everywhere. And to be able to engage anonymously with queer content and feel yourself centered in that community and in that world, I think is absolutely invaluable. And it's probably the main reason that I stay passionate about this project because I know that it is reaching people that are not able to reach this sort of content otherwise. And I, I love that. I mean, I think that's such a beautiful component of this, right? Because um, let's face it, the world has a long way to go before we get to a place where uh, people move from being judgmental assholes um, to being people that are open and, and understand a lot of these, these pieces. But also there's an element of like, how do I get comfortable? Where do I get comfortable? Where are like, where do I, especially in a digital world. And, and I will even say from an ally perspective, you know, one of the, the people in my, uh, on my kind of circle, you know, reached out to me and said, Hey, Brian, something you might want to think about incorporating in, in the galactic gay Lords conversation, which is what I'm doing now. Cause I love feedback was he, he was like, Hey, I feel like as an ally in my circle, it was hard for me to find a place where I could learn how to be a better ally and also how I could kind of join a community without it having to be like alienate some of the people that I know me jumping in would, would do so. And he's like, and honestly, I have no problem alienating them, but I need to know better how to, to, to bring the conversation to life. And, and I was like, oh, damn. I was like, I can't wait to tell Austin and the team that because that is like another aspect of this for, for those that are, you know, like, you know, being able to be anonymous. And I remember, uh, you know, super gay dad was what popped up in our, our discord. And I was like, oh my God, I love this guy already. Like he just is loud and proud. And, and when I Googled and I figured out, I was like, wait a second, I have his whole profile. I know about him being a dad and his amazing husband and, uh, and, and kid. And like, I just love that component. But I also know that that's like, there's, you know, extremes in all scenarios on how much you want to put yourself out there and, and how we connect with each other. And there's a, something beautiful about being able to choose, right? Like no one is saying that you have to use your first name, last name and come out as super gay dad, right? So no one is saying that you have to link it to your external profiles. You can ultimately join and allow yourself to kind of grow and, and where that story um, comes in. So I love all of that. Um, Teresa, I think the last thing I just want, I'm just curious from my side, you know, from Galactic Gaylords and where the story's moving. And I'm curious just from your standpoint as far as like what you look at Galactic Gaylords as the value of it, the impact of it, 
Um, and then maybe even more so like where, what, like what aspects are you leaning into within like the storytelling within the, the galactic gay Lords that kind of excite you for what people uh, can look forward to? So as far as why I think the, the project's important and kind of what keeps me hooked in on it, more than just a, just well, more than some other projects, I would say, I'm not going to, you know, put, point out any projects, but I love the idea of, um, yeah, just the community. I, I think about when I was, you know, 18 years old and I was coming to terms with my own sexuality and how important at the time L Word was to me, the TV show, because it was the only representation of queer women that I found anywhere. Um, and I was in a college town in Ohio. It was definitely like not the best atmosphere to be coming out. Um, and it was just really like feeling connected to even fictional characters and feeling like oh, I identify with that. That's a journey that I've experienced. That's a journey that I haven't experienced, but a good friend of mine has. That's experience I want to know more about. Um, I think that having fiction out there that feels relatable, especially when people don't feel, when people feel alone and when people feel um, like there's no one out there like them. There's always someone that can relate to what's going on somewhere. And that I think that's really special about this project um, and just having that representation out there. And as far as the story elements, I, I mean, I love where the story is going. I, I don't want to give too much away because we're, we're not even in the first planet yet, technically speaking. Um, but I really like uh, Austin was talking about the binary collection being a little bit darker. And I actually really love that as a starting place because I think as a queer person right now in the world, there are times that it does feel very dark. And to know that that can be the beginning of your journey, but it's not going to be the end. Um, I think that's just really cool. <laughs> and our, our plot really reflects that, um, starting off in this kind of darker space. I love that. I love that a lot. And, you know, I, 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 you know I'm so glad you were able to jump on and join us. You know, it's, you know, I think, the, the story is, I've said it over and over again, I think it's one of the best, if not the best, uh, story implementation projects that are out there. Um, and, you know, it brings people on a journey. And I know, Austin, I know, I think we have to get you out of here uh, in a minute. Anyhow, I think, you know, it's Art Reveal Day, uh, which I know all of us will be excited about. We'll be pounding our our, our metadata refresh um, that we have uh, over there on whichever marketplace that you choose. But uh, Austin, anything you want to throw to us before we, uh, we close her out? No, you're you're on the point there. Uh, our reveal is happening like right now, so I have to shoot out a couple emails. And we did onboard, I think, twenty to thirty new people to Web three, completely new. So I am making sure that our emails are very intentional in laying out the steps. We can't just say go refresh your metadata. We need to <laughs> lay out those steps, make videos, make tutorials. So. That is what I will be doing, but I want to thank Teresa for everything she's done on the project this so far and everything she's going to do. Like you, Everyone here can tell her emotions are just so tied to this story. It isn't just a storyteller. Like I said, she is the story master of the super gay galaxy and uh, everything is connected in a way that makes sense through the art, through the story, through absolutely everything. 
I mean, who doesn't want that on their LinkedIn profile? I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, that is like job description uh, of the year. Uh, thank you, Teresa, for joining us. Austin, always thank been you. fun. We're going to be back, of course, uh, next month as well. And I just wanted to key on as we wrap up here, you know, something that Teresa said about representation, right? Like, and, and seeing ourselves in things that are out there. And we, we, especially white cis males, are as privileged as privilege gets when it comes to that because everything we've ever been indoctrinated since we were young, there was always representation from the president of the United States to sports to you know fiction to books to nonfiction. And for many of us, we don't actually see how much of an impact that had on it because we've taken it for granted. And I so believe in the idea that we can't move a lot of these things forward, not only to we open conversation up, but until representation and opportunities to have safe spaces like this exist. And I will tie this to my current new uh, TV show that I am addicted to, which is The Last of Us. And those of you, I didn't play the video game The Last of Us, but if you haven't seen it, right now it's the most popular TV show on HBO. And it goes on a journey, a journey like the Galactic Gaylords are going, are taking you on a journey, right? And, and But I will also say is that, you know, Bella, who was one of the main actors, um, identifies as as uh, gender fluid, and I will I will say her representation and her representation not only as a character she was also on uh, on Game of Thrones and also the narrative within that fictional story of doing a really beautiful job of kind of highlighting and bringing in a lot of just amazing components to me like it, I was tearing up watching the last episode tearing up as someone that knows that my 13-year-old daughter will be able to watch show where a lot more representation exists. And we have a long way to go, but it's kind of one of those beautiful steps that we should highlight that are, hey, if The Last of Us HBO's most popular TV show is not only empowering actors and actresses and, and, and those to really identify as their true selves on on character, but they're also the storylines are threaded throughout that story. And it's ultimately what Galactic Gaylords are doing in Web3. And I'll say this, you know, I am an advisor to the project. I am a huge believer in it. I'm very blessed to be part of the team from that side. But I personally believe that the Web3 space needs this project more so than even this project needs people buying the NFTs. And if you believe in that, if you if you believe in representation, you believe in the need for us to to not only curate safe spaces but to learn how to how to how to actually you know tell stories and, and amplify and and grow as individuals. This is definitely a project. I hope many of you will check out. Uh, Austin, we didn't throw in there. Um, I, I, maybe this is me trying to get alpha. Uh, there's no date on the next world drop, is there? Is there a date on that yet? None yet. I can tell everyone here that we are done the stories all the way up to the green planet. So right now it's just developing processes to make things smoother after this test period of the binary, which did go very well. So we're excited for the following planets. There you go, friends. So if you don't want to miss out on anything, click the link in the in the show notes and in the bio here for the quiz and go fill out the quiz. It'll get you on the email list and you'll be you'll be updated on all of the things that are happening because you never know. It might the the next planet might be out by the time the next episode is of this show where we'll have uh, Austin back or we might have more to talk about in that side. But Teresa, uh, Austin, tired Galactic Gaylord's team. Uh, just congrats on the sellout. Super excited to jump the hell off this thing and go check out the art reveal. And I'm a, I mean, I, I'm one that loves to go through the entire collection. I go full screen on my monitor and just keep going, scroll through. So uh, I challenge everybody to do that. And I also challenge everybody, you know, it's a great time in history 
for us to step up and put our actions in place. If you, if you believe in a lot of the things that we just talked about, a lot of things that I said are starting to be not only can we recognize them as important, but we also have to be the vehicles and the advocates, the allies, the supporters, the amplifiers of, of this to, to really make the, the world a better place and, and ultimately to empower great people to do great things. So as always, my friends, uh, until next episode, uh, make it a great day. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.